0: Hello everyone and welcome on Women Abroad, the podcast that invites young professional women to share their experience abroad and reveal the wonderful women behind these stories. My name is Françoise Fallis, I'm an intercultural trainer and coach, I've lived and worked as an expatriate for more than 11 years in Egypt, Morocco and Nigeria twice and I currently live in Luxembourg. I meet young women who are studying or starting their careers abroad and hear from them about their discoveries, culture shock and the personal and professional challenges they face. What surprises, amuses, even fascinates them? How does their experience open up new perspectives and reveal new things about themselves? If you are curious about living and working internationally, This podcast will inspire you to consider new horizons. Women abroad be inspired by women who find their true selves living abroad. My guest for today is Stephanie Widorini. Stephanie is Indonesian and she is currently living and working as a consultant for the UN in Geneva, Switzerland. Moving from London to Seoul and now to Geneva led her to adjust to various cultural challenges. What she first perceived as a career disruption turned out to become a very rich professional and cultural experience as she grew more aware of her environment. Mental and cultural agility have also allowed her to better accept the unknown and the uncertainty. For sure, There is room to self-fulfill abroad. The road to success is interconnected with a self-development journey. Let's now meet her and listen to her story abroad. Hello, Stephanie. I'm happy to meet you today and thank you for being my guest today for the eighth episode of On Women Abroad podcast. Could you briefly introduce yourself and tell us your story abroad? I know that you're a young woman and still you already have a large experience of living abroad. If my calculation is correct, your journey abroad started about 15 years ago, didn't it?
1: That's actually correct, Francoise. <laughs> yes. Um, so, hello everybody. My name is Stephanie Midorini. I'm originally from Indonesia. And as Francoise has mentioned, I've been away from my home country for the past 15 years. I started by pursuing my master's degree studying in the UK in 2006. And um, since then, I never went back to Indonesia, but um, continuing pursuing my career in London, uh, to be precise. I stayed for around 8 years in total in London and then um, I had a chance moving to um, Seoul, South Korea in 2014 for around 5 years and a little bit before I landed in Geneva. So at the moment I'm living in Geneva. It's been around a year and a half since I moved from Seoul to Geneva.
0: And in between I think you met your husband in London?
1: Yes, that's correct. So, in between um, my uh, living abroad, I um, had the um, I had the luck of um, of um, uh, building this some sort of relationship with my uh, then boyfriend and now husband. Um, at that time, I was studying in the UK, uh, doing my master' degree, um, and then we've been together from the beginning of two thousand and seven. And um, we both were students at that time, um, but totally different um, uh, subject uh, area in terms of studying. Um, he was pursuing um, cinema studies and I was doing media and communication. Um, and um, we got married in 2013. And here we are together in Geneva.
0: <laughs> what was your experience of, um, of London? I think you worked for the BBC.
1: Yes. So um, I actually at that time never planned in 2006 when I moved from Indonesia to London. I never had really um, the, in, never in my wildest imagination that I would stay away from my home country for this long. I always wanted to go back to my um, hometown and um, somehow um, life brought me differently so as soon as i graduated from my master's degree i had a chance to extend my visa and there's some sort of like um, special scheme for students who graduated in london or other cities in the uk that i got a year of work permit so i put a target if i don't get a job within a year i would go back to indonesia then luck was with me I got a job. Uh, first, I started as an intern uh, in this um, NGO um, focusing on Asia culture, Asian culture and politics and social uh, humanitarian um, sector. Um, I stayed for three months before I got this uh, permanent job at the BBC as a broadcast assistant. And I never moved to a different office and I stayed there for around six years at the BBC.
0: Mm. and and what was your experience in in the BBC how did you enjoy your work
1: in, it in was, London? It was really lovely so um, I think I was really really lucky to get this opportunity and um, at that time um, the uh, supervisor really trusted me and um, they and the supervisor and the whole team actually they were amazing group of people. They um, educated me of, of, of what I was supposed to do. And um, I was surrounded by really um, talented, dynamic, uh, professional people in their job. Um, and I had also opportunity to meet with people from different cultures, from different nationalities. Because I used to work um, in the World Service, uh, BBC Global News World Service. So they have more than 30 languages. So. There are people from, you know, African region, from different parts of Asia, from European countries as well as um, the Americas. So it was really such a a precious uh, first experience of me having the first professional job abroad. So um, also, it was my first time working in a media um, corporation or media uh, agency. and. The BBC was really a really good place to start um, to start the um, the professional career. Also because they invested a lot in their human resources. So I I I was really I was really happy to have the opportunity to get lots lots of experience, especially in in how to work in the radio, how to produce programs, Mm -hmm. writing. Uh, materials for features social for politics for business many kinds of um, context so I was really happy not only because the work is enjoy was enjoyable but the people that I worked with they were really highly inspirational
0: and then suddenly came the project to go to Seoul Here this is. was a some sort of disruption <laughs> it, it, it. Well, so, or, or did it come
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so it was not it was not the, um, uh, the 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 happiest moment of my life at that time. Although later on, I, I I had to I had to really to be really grateful that this happened. So what happened was um, during my during my tenure in the BBC, I changed um, to different um, roles, from one department to a different department, from uh, Indonesian department to Asian department to learning English uh, department and. Um, at the end of my um, my work there, uh, basically, it, I was already permanent, and I was I was promoted to be a producer from um, uh, different roles as a broadcast assistant, broadcast and online assistant. Um, it was because um, my husband uh, got a job in Seoul, in South Korea, and he asked me. Okay, uh, I, just, I got a job. Um, shall we move to South Korea, a place that I never had an idea of, and a place that I was not interested to move to mm-hmm. at all.
0: <laughs> what was your idea about about South Korea when I, you first talked about it?
1: <laughs> I had no clue. Actually, I never. I had never. I mean, of course. I, other than korean culture and korean drama it was already very popular then also at the beginning of my university time in like 2001 to 2002 it was already very popular then but other than that i have no i have no clue i had no clue about what the country may offer what kind of opportunities that i may get you know what kind of people that i may i might have met but actually although i didn't know much uh, about the inside part of Korea and the country and the people, I had a few of Korean friends from university. They were nice people, so I thought, okay, people might be very nice and food are great. But one thing that I was really in doubt about is my career, because I was pretty settled in the UK in one of the biggest media corporation in the world.
0: Didn't they have any branch in Seoul? Didn't BBC? I mean,
1: at that time, a uh, really good question. At that time, actually, they were planning to open um, an office or um, or um, what is it called the um, uh, station in Korea. Uh, they only had correspondents at that time. Normally, the BBC plays a correspondent in different region in different countries depending on the importance of the um, the, the ge- uh, geopolitics. But at that time, it was not there yet, although the plan was already there. So I couldn't apply for a job at the BBC because it was not yet open. Also because if they opened a a local office, they would um, recruit locals who speak the language. Why? Because they will gather news also from the local environment, which I didn't speak at all. So it was pretty hard for me. Um, also because I meaning that I had to sacrifice what I had
0: sacrifice the that's a, well that's yeah. a strong word <laughs> this was your feeling at the time
1: oh yes absolutely <sighs> and um, <The>
0: revolted
1: <laughs> yeah and I talked with my husband like okay what what am I supposed to do I'm happy where I am now and what do you expect me to do and then he said why don't you try to Look for another opportunity. Maybe there's something else that you you get there, something that may offer you better or that you that makes you happier than here. And then I thought, what makes me happier <laughs> <laughs> than working in such an amazing place where I am now? But of course, I have to. I really have to be logical. I mean, that's impossible to live separately from 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 your spouse, obviously. So I gave it a try and I gave it a thought. Okay. Um, Before I started my work at the BBC, I always thought, hmm, development sector might be an an interesting place to work at or to pursue my career in the future. So I started looking for opportunity and it was not easy at all.
0: What were the first cultural challenges you had to face when you arrived in, in Seoul?
1: Cultural challenges. Um... There's a huge cultural challenges. Actually, you're right. Um, The people in Korea they have a some certain custom, and um, which is absolutely foreign for me or for people who have never really stepped their foot to the country. People are very much hierarchical, um, all about age, all about the seniority, and men in in. How can I say on on um on a daily life? Normally, men is above women, so you have to respect men. You have to respect the elderly. Um, that's also shown in their language. The way you speak with the same age as the same age as you is different from when you speak with the elderly or in a formal language. Same as when I was in the work environment. Um, I had to learn how to be aware of my surrounding and how to address certain people and even up to the point where who should I report to or who should I refer to about something new before reporting to others. So would it be my supervisor? Would it be my colleagues? Would it be the partner of of, of the institution? depending on the context so it's it was pretty complicated
0: it was a learning process Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with many trials and errors i assume absolutely
1: (laughs) i never got used to this until i think the first year and a half of my uh life in korea it was really tough it was really tough but um and also the fact that the key of uh, living successfully in Korea, I think, is that you must have uh, a high, high level or alert of awareness. So you must be able to read your surrounding, you know, to read the environment, to read the context where you see something.
0: Okay, there were a lot of yeah, well nonverbal was. messages said in the context absolutely. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Unspoken yes, so many elements. Unspoken message and rules that you must know, that you must have learned by yourself throughout, and you have to implement it on the daily life. Indeed, yes, absolutely. And you said that it took you about
0: one year and a half to feel comfortable in in the country in, in this sense that you could better read this unspoken messages.
1: Yes. Um, luckily, at that time, um, I was already I was already um, working. So as soon as I moved to Korea, uh, I started working. I think two weeks after I landed because I secured a position before I moved, um, which was also such a luck because not there was not so many foreigners uh, managed to get a job in Korea because they prefer to have someone locals, and. And they were open
0: to employ someone who spoke English and not Korean.
1: <laughs> Only English, no Korean. At that, time, yes, that's why I was saying it was really, it's really lucky for me. It was, it was just such an opportunity. Most of the time, because because there are not so many like international organization in Korea, like say I don't know um, New York or in uh, Geneva or even um, Hong Kong. You know, there are so many expats, so many foreigners who actually maybe in Hong Kong not so many foreigners speak the Cantonese language, but in in Korea not so not so many companies, not so many organizations that are naturally um, international or have international context. So yeah, it was it was it was I think a miracle for me, and luckily um, I didn't have to um, deal. Um, mostly with Koreans that required me to speak Korean. So lots of my work um, involved um, foreign um, clients or partners uh, based in other countries in Asia. And the main language we used was English. Um, And when I transitioned, when I tried to learn the context, the culture, the custom of both professional as well as daily life, my colleagues um, were very helpful. My Korean, some of my Korean colleagues, because lots of my colleagues were also foreigners from the US, from Europe, from the UK. So the Korean colleagues were very, very much open to really, um, uh, how can I say, not really teach, but share. Their thoughts, their uh, way of living with us, and that's how we learn and we understand.
0: Which difference. is n- not always easy, even for uh, a South Korean or you know, for everyone from one's culture to put himself/herself into perspective and be able to to take a distance and explain. Is our own own culture to you? that's was that was quite great very very kind from them
1: absolutely yes indeed Indeed. and
0: and what did you do yourself to to adjust to understand this particular environment were there particular activities you made to help you integrate faster
1: so um actually to immerse into the korean living um, and to get to know koreans in general it was, it was not that difficult. They were very open to, you know, open to make friends with foreigners. They were happy to open up and uh, be acquaintance with us. Um, maybe us, there were some people who don't feel comfortable to speak English. Those people, are, they, they, were, they were curious um, to have friends um, with people from outside the country, but they were shy. But the majority of my friends, they were very flexible and um, they were not, they were not uh, uh, close-minded people. They were very open. And um, by the fact that I actually know these Koreans and they brought me to their community, and that's how I learned more. And um, in my office as well, I um, I got to know lots of Koreans uh, from different institutions, so it's more of a partner organisation or partner institutions. Communicate, do some exchange, some exchange with them, and that's also how I learn. I think the key the key traits here is them being open, and that um, that really helped. because there are some society okay they have some certain culture, certain custom. How do we understand them? Of course. If they are not open, if they don't accept us, it will be impossible for It's them
0: very hermetic. Them. But you had the, the chance to meet local people and to be able to decode more easily what yeah. was inside.
1: Yeah, decoding the message, decoding the, the, the custom, you know, the um the awareness. It's 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 because of um all the local um network
0: mm-hmm. that
1: help us yeah
0: okay so you you could make a real opportunity i mean to develop your career by taking this mission in yeah. uh, in an ngo
1: yeah also because in korea um maybe it's something about also asian culture not just i am uh, asian myself um there's something about um how you bring yourself to the community which is really critical when you are in also in professional environments so this shape people's impression towards certain other people so the way you behave the way you treat others the way you um how can i say say things to others this is also. This also plays critical role for others being comfortable with you, both in daily life as well as professional life, because um, maybe in some some other cultures, this personal traits or idiosyncrasy of someone' character is not as relevant, right? But I think in some countries like in Asia and Korea, for example, it is very, very important. And it, it can bring you a better, um, a better experience of working and enjoyment of really um, having other colleagues working with you.
0: Okay. So, in other words, you, you worked to create trust with, with them. Exactly. In the way you behaved
1: exactly and and i like i like your word the trust it's really really important because otherwise they won't feel comfortable to share things with you they won't feel comfortable to really work or collaborate with you
0: Mm, they felt you were open to discover their culture
1: yes and they are they are quite um they're quite proud but at the same time they understand the difficulty of us being foreigner and how to really understand and be, a, be is accepted
0: and the fact that you you are a woman did it bring an extra challenge for you to integrate in oh, yeah. into in society
1: yeah 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 um a woman and maybe asian woman um there's some certain of as i said at the beginning hierarchy so they put certain, um, they put certain category for people. So I am a woman and I am Asian. I will not be on the same level as you know, a man from Anglo-Saxon country or white men. You know, I, I am below them. This is some sort of like, I, I don't know, it's just the, the nature of the of the culture. From the old days, but it's it's changing these days uh, because of the modern uh, society. Uh, one day, I I had a meeting with um, local with, with partner from from the country from from Korea, and um, it was me with my other colleagues. And my position at that time uh, was um, was a deputy director in this uh, organization. And I brought along my my other colleagues, um, who was. Um, uh, whose position is below me, but um, uh, he was a German guy. Um, together with some, I was also together with other Korean women colleague. And um, when when I was when I arrived at the office and I was greeted by the um, by the counterparts, uh, the, the the Korean partners, they wouldn't talk to me, but they talked to my German male colleague and he was the one that they tend tended to address to instead of me and my other female
0: korean colleague (laughs) what was your reaction Did, did you expect it did you know that it would happen that way or was it a surprise
1: it wasn't a surprise for me at all because i knew already if i if i if it happened to me at the very beginning i would have been very offended to be honest I, I was not because I understand already the context and I just let let them be. And I I mean, maybe for me maybe it was not of a big deal because I know already, okay, you can talk to him I, I don't I don't I don't mind. But for some people, it might have been an offense, especially if the lady, perhaps the president of something of, of, of a chairman of a certain company and um, the guy was probably, her assistant, and then the, the the Korean counterpart would actually address the assistant. That it, it must have been really an offense, right? Yes. Uh, but um, yeah. So, but I I think if the meeting happens in a in a I don't know a political or governmental or a really high seniority uh, level uh, environment, normally the Korean institute or the Korean organization who would greet us, they would have prepared some sort of like. Um, uh, what is it the manual or guidelines because so that the, um, the counterpart will not embarrass themselves by addressing the wrong person
0: are uh, some protocol to, fo- exactly. to follow protocol yeah. rules
1: yeah, and they have to make sure that the, the team of the, of the whoever senior greeting us, they have to prepare who would be coming, what is their position, and this is the manual for the the head of the team to greet who so it,
0: it's so really formal
1: very formal
0: okay and and this needs to be respected all the way it may it may break the discussion it may yes. make it collapse
1: exactly exactly so everything was very much formal and they prepared really strictly both the protocol and um the uh, structure of the meeting normally. So yeah, at that time, I, I, I didn't have anything, no hard feeling, no particular, I don't know, um, thought or negative feeling because I know already, like, okay, that's that's fine. Before before my colleague said, oh, actually, she's, she's my senior, maybe you can ask her, you know, you should. she is the deputy uh, the director, please try to check with her if it's okay. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So I t- 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 take it take it very easy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that was probably the best best way to do it. It, it meant that you were already quite well adjusted. Yeah, yeah. To the social codes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and what talents do you think you have developed or discovered when living in, in Seoul, particularly?
1: And Seoul, um other than um uh, I think other than the culture trying to understand working with so many different cultures, uh, including Korean and other Asian countries, different countries have different um, custom, the way they address and the way they behave among each other. So that's one great um, experience that one might not get from the school, right? And only by experience, by um, really meeting people and how to, I mean to get to know them in person, that's how we learn. Also, the fact that it was my first time working in a development sector, um, it brought me lots of knowledge, insights into the sector. So it was really good opportunity. I, I really don't I don't regret it because I continue working in development sector until now. So,
0: and probably you also developed uh, leadership skills.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. And um, because when I started working in Korea, um, my first position was uh, it was called program officer, and I got promoted to senior program officer. And um, the last position that I got was deputy director of program. And um, I, I, um, I had the I had the opportunity to lead a team of, I think, not big, uh, of I think eight people and uh, some of them senior program officer as well as program officer, um, as well as interns. So the leadership skills that I got, I never did any training in terms of leadership, but from my day-to-day work and to really... um, liaise with my colleagues um, it gave me lots of uh, insights and experience on how to best address them how to really deal with people who don't want to really do their work <laughs> how to deal with people who actually um, have issues with the others how conflict know, management I, yeah, all this <laughs> conflict management it's I think that is the most critical point to make sure all the the issues are ironed out.
0: (laughs) In all cultures, I think.
1: (laughs) Yes, 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 true.
0: So at the time you put your career on pause when you moved to Seoul, but we see that you could make a real momentum out of this time. And your husband put his career on pause when you both moved to Geneva as far as I understood, in some way. Was that a common decision you made as a couple or an individual decision?
1: Yeah, it was um, a shared decision um, because while we were in Seoul, both of us tried to reflect if that would be the last place we would settle, you know? And the answer is no. Why? Because we didn't speak the language. None of us... Had a clue of what the others say on a daily basis among the Koreans, and it's impossible not being able to speak the language if you live in the country. Also, to run errands, to do administrative work, dealing with tax, uh, health, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was a nuisance without having the ability of the, uh, to speak the language. So we thought, okay, this is not our, uh, our place. We have to try to migrate or relocate somewhere else, um, a place where both of us feel comfortable or at least one of us understand the language. Um, For sure. Yeah, and so we, we didn't, you know, like we didn't have a um, really strong uh, feeling on any countries in particular because both of us thought at the beginning we try not to live in one, one of the other countries or each other's countries, because I'm from Indonesia, my husband is Italian, and so it means we try not to live in Indonesia or in Italy so that we feel more neutral space for both of us. And so we thought, why don't we, why don't both of us try uh, to look for a job, apply for a a position anywhere, one feels uh, comfortable, both in terms of language, and you know uh, a country, and the job itself. Whoever gets the job first, the other will follow. So at that time, I um, I landed this job um, at this uh, UN Environment Programme and based in Geneva. And so we had a discussion, and my husband said, "All right, so this time it's your turn to navigate <laughs> further." Um, That's I'm quite fair. Yes, yes, it is very fair of him, and I feel grateful for that because it means I will have the opportunity, uh, what I want, and I will do in terms of my career. But then I thought, what what happened with you, I asked, and then he went, um, it's not a problem because while in uh, Switzerland, um, he could try to build the connection, build the network, also because in Switzerland, um, we speak three different languages, Italian, German, and French. I could understand um, a little bit of French, and he speaks, of course, Italian. So we can just roll the dice and go back to his country That's, uh, in the, in, in if, if something if things don't go as we wish. So here we are in Geneva actually my husband um, he is uh, he's got his own project he's running his own publishing uh, independent company so he's basically it's not that he's unemployed but he's doing his job that can be done at home as an entrepreneur so, which is perfect yeah so it's perfect for him while he's trying to build in the, the connection so yeah I was very happy um, this is also among my um, dream job that I got a chance to work um with the UN system and to get to know how it is um here in in Geneva which is full of uh international organization so yeah I'm, I'm very happy where I am now uh yeah again um new environment new um uh, tasks roles responsibility and new sets um the only the only thing that I felt um okay, I can accept that it's not as, it's not as uh, good as I would uh, like to because the previous job, my position was already deputy director. And if, if I move to another job, means that the, 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 it should be going up or at least the same level, but it's not. But I thought, why not? Let's just give it a go. So I'm I'm consulting at the moment. It's nothing nothing like the director or deputy director, but it it enriched me with so many different new things.
0: You're developing different different skill competencies, set. yes, skill set. Totally, Skill set uh-huh.
1: new 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 competencies and again once again with such a dynamic multicultural environment as well. Um, uh, but unfortunately my uh, because of because because of the uh, covid situation the um the plan that we that we uh f- we tried to foresee at the beginning didn't go as planned because my husband wanted to you know build the network in person meeting so many people you know try to catch up in person with potential opportunities or projects Everything is delayed. Yeah, and couldn't shape up as, as we no, wished. of course. But it's okay. It's just, a, you know, extended delay uh, while he's continued trying to build the connection online virtually and he's doing another project at, at, at the time being while he's also trying to continue looking for a local connection um, just longer, a little longer.
0: Are you in Geneva for a particular
1: period? Um, so at that time, at this time, we couldn't really tell how long we are going to stay here for, also because of the COVID situation, we learned that we have to really, you know, let go of things and let things flow. and um, Which
0: is the hardest sometimes?
1: Absolutely.
0: Nothing in control.
1: <laughs> exactly, yes nothing is within our control and we try to accept that and we cannot tell we are going to stay here for the next five years we cannot and we are going oh likewise we, we will move out of this country in a years time. we cannot say that so now we just live by the day and i'm, I'm still working on my current um, work my, my my job and my husband is doing is doing his his project while running, different, um, while running different other projects. So we will see. We will see if um, there's uh, different opportunities come along, um, maybe at the end of the tunnel, um, once COVID uh, crisis uh, gets better. Uh,
0: what about socializing in Geneva? I think you're working in a very multicultural environment.
1: It's really good question, because uh, we moved here, in September, August, September, two thousand nineteen, and we were really occupied with trying to settle down, looking for a house, which is one of the biggest challenges in Geneva, because the demand is definitely uh, 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 surpass the supply, and so we only managed to secure a house the following year in March, and it took really a while, so. In between, we try to settle um, uh, with the house and many other things on day for a daily life in which we didn't have the really proper opportunity to socialize. We have a few friends here already before we moved here. But other than that, we don't have any particular exciting social life yet because as soon as we settled down, COVID happened. So from March 2020... Last year, it will be a year next month where I've been working from home. I had a chance to work from the office only for the first six months of my contract, but since then everything was only happening at home. So <laughs> it's really difficult to tell how it is a social life in Geneva. And so,
0: not that easy to build a team, I mean,
1: exactly. with the people
0: you're working with. It's quite and hard.
1: I was. I mean, I must say that maybe the the the, um, the nature of UN work is not very much virtual based. It's not really. It's not really made for a virtual base. So all of us really had to adjust to the new way of living, to the new way of work. So all of us have to learn together, try to embrace and try to. F- uh, f- Figure what would be the best the best way to build a teamwork and how do we how do we really collaborate virtually. So it is it is a challenge, and in terms of social life, again going back, I only I could I could only meet the friends that I already had known prior before moving here. So yeah, it is it is a challenge. I'm not too sure how how we can expand a network for the time being. I don't think. It, there is some um, lots of opportunity but at the same time i try to you know use um the friendship and and take the take this uh, time to really um nourish the current uh, relationship or friendship that i have with a very limited number of
0: people yes but at least nature is fantastic i mean <laughs> you yeah. can go out and, and enjoy enjoy nature and mountains
1: yes yes that's true so that's one thing that Okay, we were the one 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 key point why we decided to move to Switzerland and we agreed to move here was that because it's in the middle of Europe, that will be really really easy to really travel around Europe, drive here, drive there. But hey, the um, COVID doesn't allow us to go out of the country that that much. But within Switzerland itself, you're right, Francois, it is really beautiful. So we 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 did we did travel for a little bit. Uh we visited different cities, different towns, very beautiful, and it was marvelous.
0: And how do you perceive Swiss people so far?
1: Um I think it depends on which area of Switzerland you go to. I still have to visit the Italian area, the Italian spoken, um, but the German and the French are pretty different, I think. They are quite straightforward. The the similar traits they are very much direct and straightforward, which is totally different from what I've experienced, both in the UK and in Korea. People in the UK they are very uh, polite and they don't they are they don't tend to speak their 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 their, their, their mind uh, abruptly or more straightforward, less straightforward. I mean, than you know the rest of Europe. Same as in the, in the Korean society, they really care about what others feel and think of what they say. So both the UK uh, and Korea are totally opposite from what I experienced in Switzerland. People are more direct and straightforward and to the point. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And um, I think also here people do not like to uh, touch on um, a private matter Uh, Or personal conversation so they keep it uh, on a more generic level unless you are good friends of theirs
0: yeah interesting yeah (laughs) yeah
1: yeah And, and where do you feel home I still feel that my home is Indonesia because until now the majority of my life which is 23 years um I spent in Indonesia. So it's fair to say that for now, my home is still Indonesia. And I would always say that, oh, it's been uh, more than two years that I didn't go home, which is Indonesia.
0: Yes. Do you feel homesick sometimes?
1: Normally, I didn't. Until COVID, because I always tried to go home at least once a year when I was in Korea, because it was much closer than Europe. I went back home at least two or three times a year, also because my work would bring me to Indonesia. I I had lots of travel, business trip when I was in Korea, including to Indonesia. But now, since 2018, December 2018, um, I never got a chance to go home. And that's why I've been feeling homesick for the homesick for the past uh, few months.
0: Hmm, Maybe in the future there will be a project for for both of you in in Indonesia.
1: Yeah, would hopefully. you take it? <laughs> hopefully, that will be nice, and then I can spend few months back home again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what life lessons did you learn from your all your international experiences so far?
1: Yeah, I think. The um, the best thing for people like me and many other people who who move from one country to the others is to always try to accept and embrace wherever you go the condition because if we go somewhere and we feel that this is not what you expect or this is not what you want things to happen or even the culture you don't like or you don't feel comfortable with, then you will not end up being very happy in that place. So I guess accepting and embracing and being immersed into the society is the best way and the, the, the best lesson that I've ever got from uh, living in these three countries other than my home country because only then you can start enjoying your life there
0: so in some way swim and follow the current of, of the river you're flexibility, in I think. flexibility this comes across to one to my last question which is a recurring question i like to ask to all women i interview what advice would you like to give to other young women who, who are still hesitating to To try to consider new horizons
1: don't be afraid (laughs) don't be don't hesitate to actually try something new because everything will come into place just be confident and do your best Um, the opportunity when the opportunity is there you will take it and you will succeed if you try your best and just be yourself and be flexible I think that's that's my only
0: <laughs> well, very advice. insightful advice.:
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still have to learn so much. I can't say that I know everything, but of course I, I, I've experienced this, and that's only based on my personal life, so this is what I can share.
0: Thank you very much for your really insightful and fascinating path you shared with us.
1: I hope so. I hope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. If you had to sum up all the talents and competencies you've learned so far, I'm sure the list would be quite long.
1: Well, actually, to be honest, sometimes I don't reflect to myself. I don't reflect myself because, oh, what have I done so far? (laughs) I always like, I question myself. What have I done so far? Okay. Did I do that? Did I do that? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Probably you'd be amazed.
1: I still want to do much more you know like i still need to do much more but hey one can only do one thing at a time <laughs>
0: yes definitely thank you very much stephanie for your time and i'm sure it can be really inspiring to other women
1: thank you very much for the opportunity
0: thank you for following us in this episode Because an international experience can awaken incentives and reveal new aspects in women's identities, Women Abroad is the podcast that appeals to young women everywhere. Did you like this episode? Like it and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends. You can also rate us and review us. If you'd like to share your experience abroad as a student, an early career woman or a more experienced professional, Contact me on my page, Women Abroad, on Instagram or Facebook. You can also listen to our previous episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and on our website, wwwfrancoise I wish you a great day and a bright life. Talk to you soon.